Blog Talk Radio. Ah, cats. Jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow! What? You calling? You calling me? No, okay, I didn't I'm, call I'm, you. You calling? I just received this call. Okay, I'm. Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, Blog Talk Radio, the Keys 107 Network, coming to you straight out of Harlem, USA. I'm Brother Leroy. Thankful to the Most High for blessing us with another day on this good earth, another day to do some good deeds for ourselves, our families, for our community, setting examples that we can rub off on other people, good habits and good deeds, and making our whole living environment a better place to live. Our program has been called Respect for Life, and that's what it is. We're shifting Respect for Life under the banner of the communicators. Communicators is something that most people are familiar with on the Internet, YouTube, etc. But be that as it may, I'm Brother Leroy, and today's program, we sent out information relating to today's program, and uh, we have one adjustment in it. At 7 p.m., we indicated that Brother Robert Muhammad of Mosque Number 7, 
surviving the rock would be our guest, and his topic would be what to do if you're arrested, how not to be shortchanged by legal assistance, that is, lawyers that we uh, hire, and how in many cases we're sold down the river in a deal made by lawyers or a lack of competent defense. So that was his subject, but that is shifted to next Tuesday. His topic is shifted to next Tuesday evening. In place of Brother Robert Muhammad is an equally important program or important subject, rather, because the jailing of black people in America is part of an overall program that goes under the banner of genocide or eugenics. It just has a different form to it when they jail you and put you in jail for X number of years. But eugenics or genocide is a more fitting banner for those types of actions, especially the outright sterilization and, in fact, the Planned Parenthood program, according to many folks, many observers of black people in America, among them is Reverend Hagens, if you get a hold of his DVD, he breaks it down, the eugenics movement, and a lot of big money has been put behind the eugenics movement currently by some very, very well-named individuals, but I'm not going to go into that part. I will share with you this, that we have online a victim of the sterilization that took place in North Carolina, and most states in the U.S., according to the research that we've done, most states in the U.S. had eugenics programs, that is, genocidal programs against black people. But they were abandoned after World War II because those practices became closely associated with Nazi Germany's attempt to eliminate the Jews and with the goal, so-called, so-called of racial purity. Scientists also debunked the assumption that defective human beings could be weeded out of the population. That is, uh, they openly uh, said that. However, North Carolina stood out because it actually increased its program of eugenics after the war. And between 1929 and 1974, North Carolina forcibly sterilized almost 8,000 people whom the state deemed feeble-minded or otherwise undesirable. Many were poor black women. With us today to tell her story of how she was forcibly sterilized in the state of North Carolina when she was a teenager is Miss Elaine Riddick. Sister Elaine, thank you for joining us on the Communicators Respect for Life in the Keys 107 Network. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Are you there, Elaine? Okay, Elaine may not be there right now. I'll wait for our engineer to uh, plug her in. And uh, if you go on the Internet and you put in black women sterilized in North Carolina, if you put in the Internet black women sterilized in North Carolina, the stories will come up. Uh, many of us don't know about this to know. And um, um, I'm waiting for that call to come in. Do we have Elaine Riddick on the line? Okay, still waiting. Uh, 
one uh, one of them it says eugenics, sexual sterilization in North Carolina. Uh, do we have Elaine? Yes, you do. Elaine, thank you very much. I just went through an introduction as it relates to the background of your story. And when I say the background of your story, that is the overall program in North Carolina between 1929 and 1974, uh, sterilizations. But actually, the figures that I'm looking at go beyond 1974. One article I'm looking at go up to 1983. Wow. And uh, would you kindly share with us your experience, uh, which you have, um, well, it, it takes a lot of heart to reveal uh, what has happened to oneself in this kind of situation, but please share with us. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is for the purpose of alerting us to the fact that eugenics and genocide is still alive and well in the black communities of America. It just goes under the banner of Planned Parenthood as a very nice-sounding title, and at the same time, it's geared to eliminating black life from America. So, Elaine, the microphone is yours. Okay. Hi, my name is Elaine Riddick, and I am a victim of the eugenics um, of North Carolina. Uh, the eugenics were a, are a group of people that believe in um, race cleansing, and of a pure and having a pure race, race cleansing is they don't want blood mixing, black and white, to mix. Uh, then you have uh, a pure race. Okay, that's a pure race. They only wanted blonde hair, blue eyes. Okay, I was a victim. Of how I became to be a victim of the eugenics is that I was raped at the age of thirteen. At, thir- at uh, 14, I delivered my son. I was living with my grandmother, and, uh, of course, my grandmother was receiving uh, welfare. The social worker found out that I had been, that I was pregnant. She puts in an order. She goes to this group of white men, and she puts in a request for them to sterilize me. By the way, I was 14 years old. I didn't find out that I was, had been sterilized until I was 19. I married at the age of 18, and I was ready to start a family at 19. And so I go to the doctor, and the doctor told me that I had been butchered. Mind you, the state of North Carolina, right, well, before then, before I found out this, uh, I immediately went to the American Civil Liberties Union, and uh, they had obtained a copy of my records, and they found out that I was supposed to have been feeble-minded. That was the reason that they gave for sterilizing me, said that I couldn't take care of myself, I wouldn't be able to feed myself. So I thought I was the only person that that had happened to. But in 19, I mean 2002, I found out that the state of North Carolina had actually sterilized 7,600 people, young boys and young girls, uh, men and women. They sterilized 2,999 children under the age of 19, but they mm. mainly targeted the 14, 15, 13-year-old group. I'm sorry, they, they mainly targeted? 13, 14, 15-year-old group. Mm-hmm. They sterilized 2,999 children under the age of 19. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. 
but they their target was directly aimed at 13, 14, 15-year-olds. And okay. another thing that they did was they sterilized children as young as young as eight years of age. Mm. Okay. Now, California sterilized over 20,000 people. Whoa. Okay. Then you have Virginia. Virginia sterilized between eight and 10,000 people. North Carolina with their 7,600 people. Then, of course, Georgia sterilized what? Over 3,000. Mind you, out of uh, the 52 states that we have, 30, 32 states within the United States sterilized their citizens and basically against their will, mainly because they were black, they were poor, and they were just, it was just for the benefit of um, pure race. It was the benefit of blacks being an inconvenience. Elaine, Elaine, go back to your experience of being married and uh, that you want to start a family and you're not able to conceive. You go to the gynecologist and just describe that, that situation. Relive that for us, please. <laughs> wow. That was it, was, it was, it was the most humiliating, degrading thing that a person can undergo. You know, when I, before I uh, got married, I kept getting sick. You know, I kept hemorrhaging. I could walk down the street and all of a sudden, I didn't know where it came from, just clogs of blood would just come out of me or either I would pass out in the street for no reason at all. And the mm. first time I had told, been told that I was butchered, they didn't say, that somebody botched my body up each time. Both of these, it was two separate doctors told me that I had been butchered. I had to have three surgeries on my stomach trying to make this go away. Wow. And eventually I ended up having to have a total hysterectomy because they had so severely damaged my oh. fallopian tubes and my uterus so badly until they just had to take it out. Tell tell me tell us this um, when they did what was their elaboration in terms of butchered did they elaborate well, well what they said was that my body had been so severely this is it normally when a person goes to the doctor and a doctor uh, is it, it has pride in his work or. He's supposed to be uh, taking an oath to save a person's life or to do the best that he can to do whatever he can to, you know, if you go, anyway, I have, he had did, the doctors had did surgery on my body. And it was like, instead of them doing surgery on a person's body, it was like an animal. So this mm -hmm. is where, how I feel, they gutted me open like I was a hog. Oh, man. And did not give me any kind of follow-up. That's exactly what I'm saying. Lord have mercy. I mean, they actually, because I was black, I was poor, and, mm. you know, this is what the eugenics do. They don't care about how they do this to you. You know, there was actually, the eugenics, is a, 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 again, was a group of people that specialized in race cleansing. Mm, mm. And the whole point of the eugenics, I have to say, and I'm sorry to say, but there's just the, uh, the, the, uh, tonight I was thinking about talking to you, and here is what I come up with, and I'm looking at the Ku Klux Klan's 
mm. they have the same theory and went with the same method. Mm-hmm. You know, the lynching, I mean, even before me, you know, I went to the doctor. I, this was done to me in a hospital. And I'm thinking about I'm thinking about our history of how our women used to live even, you know, in the 30s or, you know, during slave days when they found out that they didn't need us anymore, how they would take our black women in a barn, in a mm-hmm. barn, outside barn, and they would put them all in there and they would do the surgery on the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and another no. thing. Okay, go ahead. Hold on. no, no. Go ahead. Another thing. <laughs> another thing that when uh, they uh, the eugenicists started, this didn't actually start with black people. I want to let you know this is that mm-hmm. they started with sterilizing poor white women and children. I mean, I'm talking about the poor, the ones that were disadvantaged. And then in the 60s, it took a whole new turn, and that's when they actually really started focusing on getting rid of the black people. It was, intentions were to kill us off in the 60s. And this is what the methods that they were using to do it. They didn't want us to produce our kind. So whereas we used to be maybe like, 18 to 20% of the United States population, mm. now we are down to 12 or 13% because of the eugenics and Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why they keep putting these abortion clinics and, uh, and these um, uh, abortion methods out here for us. I want to make sure that you understand that the newest sterilization procedure that they have out today is um, a call called the Eshore. E-S-S-U-R-E, and I wish you would look it up. And what it does, our government had approved for that call to be implanted into women in 2002. 2002 is when the state of North Carolina uh, had been on sort of like on trial, so they were banned from using surgical sterilization procedures on people. So 2002, after they had banned that, uh, surgical sterilization, then they went to the Eshure. They had a backup. And now when people use that Eshure, they don't realize that it causes permanent sterilization, plus it causes death, blindness, uh, it can cripple you. It, 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 the call is made out of nickel and titanium, and the, titan- and the nickel can leak. Okay, yeah. so I just want to make sure that the word get out that if you do decide to do something like that, use some form of contraception, not to use it as sure. And I am so surprised that the people that I speak to now, they're not even familiar with that method. They're used, talking about the, de, de, what is it, the depo prefera. This yeah, is that, way worse than that. Okay, let's let's go back. They, they outlawed surgical sterilization in North Carolina. Yes. I'm just I'm recapping what you're saying. Yes. And in 2002, they introduced this this backup. Uh, yes, Eshure. Okay. That's what now, it is. What, what is Eshure? E S S U R E. Is that a coil? Is that what is that? It's a coil. It's a contraception that they insert in the woman, and what happened is that it's made out of nickel and titanium. And it's a permanent sterilization procedure. Man. Man, oh, man. Now, I would like to say 
that since I have been I have been fighting the eugenics and the state of North Carolina and Planned Parenthood since I was 19 years old. That's been 40 years ago. I'm 59 today. I'm 59, and that's been 40 years ago. I had never even heard. I had never heard of the eugenics until I started studying what had happened to me. Now, yeah, I um, until I found out what had happened to me. So mm-hmm. I am so glad that I am able to put myself in the back and expose these people and let them know what they're doing. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. Eugenics does not only uh, refer to uh, Planned Parenthood. You know, uh, I mean, we have so many crimes. I mean, I'm trying to make the connection between the drugs and killing us off because it's like enemy by enemies necessary. We're going to get rid of you. Mm. You know, so I'm trying myself to make the connection with the drugs that's out here in our neighborhoods. Every corner you go to, there's a liquor store. Our men are being placed in prison. Our children are being tried as adults by yes. enemies necessary. I'm going to kill this pe- these people off. I don't care how we do it. So I am personally trying to make that connection. Sister Elaine Riddick is our guest on the Keys 107 Network. She is a victim of North Carolina sterilization program taking place officially between 1929 and 1974. But when you go into the Internet, you put up eugenics, sexual sterilization in North Carolina, and there's a table that goes beyond, uh, goes up to 1983. And uh, that's for your research. This is a classroom, ladies and gentlemen, meaning this. It's set up, these programs that we do are set up to provide information and as opposed to someone saying, wow, no, you got to take the information and begin to share it with others. If you don't believe the information that we share over this program, you are obligated to research it, check it out yourself, because if you listen, you're obligated to check it out yourself. And when you verify the facts, you are in turn obligated to share this information with your people. Humanitarians who are non-black, you're obligated to be a force in stopping these efforts that are going towards eliminating black folks from America. You say, well, it never happens. Well, if you look at certain statistics, the birth rate among blacks is extremely low due to the abortion levels. That's another story. But we'll also slide in this fact that in Philadelphia, there's a black doctor on trial right now for abortions of babies in the eighth and ninth month. And um, some of the information that's coming out is very horrific. You can research that, go into Google, put in doctor in Philadelphia uh, on trial for abortions, and the story will pop up. And it's not a very nice thing whether this person is black, white, Chinese, doesn't matter, but it shows that the mentality, the dollar mentality can pull us into the game, and then with others, they are on post 
to do to us what their um, philosophy gears them to do. The telephone number is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. You'll be on the line with the Keys 107 Network. I'm Brother Leroy. Program is a communicator slash respect for life, and you're listening to Blog Talk Radio. You call the number 213-943-3618 and hit 1 on your telephone pad, and that gets you into ask your question of Elaine Riddick. Now, going back, Elaine, when you uh, you find out that this deed has been done to you, you subsequently go through various operations and whatnot. Some people would say, well, that happened to me. It was a dirty deal. But you began to become an advocate for proper information coming to women. Uh, how long did that take after you learned that you had been butchered? Well, you know, it didn't take very long because I was angry, I was upset, I was devastated. You know, I was married and, you know, I was humiliated, you know, mm. because, you know, people, I, I felt like I did something wrong. Right. You know, I didn't even think about my being a victim. Mm. I just thought that I did something wrong, and I had to carry that with me. Every time I would go out of the house, I thought somebody could, you know, see it or conceal it. Or it was written all over me, and it was like I was a target, you know. So I soon thereafter went to the American Civil Liberties Union, and I seeked help in trying to bring the state of North Carolina or trying to bring my get justice for myself. As I had said prior earlier, I said, I thought I was the only one that this had happened to. But then when we went to court, they didn't even have any of my peers there. Mm. You know, mm. in 1982, you know, I finally got a court date. And when I went there, here were all these um, old, I'm sorry to say it, but, you know, they were not of my race, not of my peers. Mm. You know, so when the judge had given them the instructions, first of all, the judge had given them the wrong instructions. So, um, you know, when they came back with, like, it was like I'm going to say a verdict, they went with North Carolina saying that North Carolina did not do anything wrong with me, that they, that they did not violate my uh, constitutional rights. Wow. Okay, so then, you know, that was it for a while. And then in 2002, here it comes back up again. You know, and um, so then we put go back to North Carolina. The Winston-Salem Journal came and did a, a report against their will, and this is when I found out that I really wasn't the only pe- uh, person that this had happened to, but it seemed like I was still the only voice out there. Mm. You know, mm. so but I kept fighting and kept fighting, and uh, the, uh, North Carolina, I mean, we went through two governors, in North Carolina that decided one Governor Mike Easley, he apologized for what the state of North Carolina had did to its citizens. You know, but then after that, then nothing happened, and then, of course, he was replaced by another governor, Governor uh, Beverly Perdue. And she said that she was going to make sure that the victims were compensated, you know, and they wanted to give $20,000, and I said, no, you know, I'm not even going to accept that. I wouldn't even accept $50,000 because I feel like I'm I'm selling out my people. Right. You know, and I'm selling out the victims. What you took from me, because I, of course, uh, earlier I had sued the state of North Carolina, 
you know, when I first found out American Civil Liberties, with, uh, along with the American Civil Liberties Union, we sued the state of North Carolina for a million dollars. That was back in the what? In the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, so here, um, here I am, and here we go, like 20, 30 years later, why would I step down from a million to twenty or fifty thousand dollars? You know, I felt like I'm worth more than that. Right. You you went into me and you. I'm not desperate for money. You went into me and you took something from me. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can offer me twenty thousand, fifty thousand, then you know you were wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but then the Senate it passed the House, uh, like maybe like. 89% or you can say might as well say 100% it passed the house the house passed it and said uh, victims should be compensated uh, the task force that they had developed two task force the first task force said 20,000 and I refused I told them no you're not going to do that to us no 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 so then they decided on 50,000 and again I said no 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 I'm not going to accept it but then here comes this racial eugenics Senate comes and say, no, well, if we give this group of people this money, then here come other groups of people, which they were talking about black Africans, you know, slavery, they thought they had to pay for slavery. But my point here is that I'm coming up for what you did to me. That's between you and the other people. If we pay this group of people money, then, hey, here come other groups of people with their hand hanging out, talking about we know them, so they refuse to give the 50000 But what happened is that it's not over with, not on my watch, because they took something from me, and I am going to die proving it, and they're going to pay. Regardless, I don't care how they do it. It's not money. It's the principle. Hmm. You know, and another thing you said uh, uh, about the doctor in Philly somewhere. There, yeah. Well, let me tell you something else. If the doctor didn't have permission to abort a baby up to nine months, and I'm quite sure he won't do it. Here's the thing that we don't know: there are four countries in the whole wide world that allow a woman to have an abortion up to nine months. The first one is China. The second mm-hmm. one is the United States, right there wow. with China. The third yeah. one is North North Korea, and the fourth one is Canada. Those are the wow. four countries that will allow a woman to abort a baby in her during her not in her when she's in her ninth month. And by the way, at that point, it is not abortion anymore. It is murder, straight out. Since Elaine Riddick is our guest, ladies and gentlemen, we have announcements coming up. After that, you can call in if you so desire to participate in the conversation. The telephone number, 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Hit 1 on your telephone keypad. That lets our engineer know that you have a question you want to participate in this classroom here on the Keys 107 Network, please stay tuned. We'll be right back with Sister Elaine Riddick, a victim of North Carolina's sterilization program, which is broader and still exists today in these United States of America. We'll be right back. Brothers and sisters, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, 
student minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad and the believers cordially invite you to visit Muhammad's Mosque Number no. 7, located at 106-8 West 127th Street, Harlem, New York, between Adam Clayton Powell and Malcolm X Boulevards. Meeting times are Sundays, 10 o'clock a.m., Wednesdays at 8 p.m., and Juma Prayer, Fridays at 1.15 p.m. For more information, dial 212-865-1200. Once again, 212-865-1200 or www.mosque7.org. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, the final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad's speech with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face -face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing at the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French-cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. Black ladies and gentlemen, this is the Keys 107 Network. The program is a Communicators Respectful Life Edition. I'm Brother Leroy, and our guest online is Miss Elaine Riddick, and she is a victim of North Carolina's sterilization program existing officially between 1929 and 1974. And you have the opportunity to join in and ask questions, 213 943 
943-9443-3618 for the women in the audience. Just a note of sympathy or empathy with our guests is as good as asking a question or making a statement, and you can let her know by 213-943-3618. I'll say it slower, 213-943-3618. Hit one on your telephone keypad that lets us know that you have a statement or question to make. Elaine, when you began to gather information, although your story is a horrific one in itself, what other stories made you take a back step and say, wow, this thing is indeed more horrible than what I thought of my own situation? You know, the most horrible thing, you know, is to see a man, his being castrated. You know, little boys and little girls that, you know, under the age of eight years of age. But I've had, I've, I've met so many people, men, that this had happened to and everybody just wanted to have a child. I mean, can you imagine your government allowing this to happen to its mm. citizens? I mean, it is so heart-wrenching when you just stand back and even the label that they put on me that I was feeble-minded, that I was out of control. I mean, what can a 13-year-old girl do when she's up against a grown man, married man, uh-huh. raping her? You know, what can a thir- what can an 8-year-old child do? I mean, what yeah. did we do to cause such crime, such punishment, such uh, cruel and unusual punishment to be inflicted upon our bodies, and we have to go through life all every day, you know, wearing this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a shame of armor. But mm. I was a lucky one. First of all, I've never, ever gone into high school. Mm. You know, I got pregnant when I was in the eighth grade, and, you mm. know, uh, you know, I didn't go back to high school, but... Through all of that, after I started investigating and finding out, and then I built up a tolerance, and then I I just had to do something. I had to educate myself, and I did get a college degree, by the way, but I still haven't gone into high school, and they didn't even know that I had never went to high school, that I did not have a high school transcript until it was time for me to graduate college. So they mm. came and said, "Well, I can't find a transcript." I said, "Because I never have, I never got one. I never even got a GED." So they mm. had to get me out there anyway because I was like three point eight average. But mm. the state of North Carolina tried to say that I was feeble minded. Mm. 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 trying to do, I had to do it. It's something that I had to do in order for me to challenge them on what they did to me. And when you go and you put labels on little children, and for a long time, even after I graduated college and I moved from New York and I came to Atlanta, I still had that stigma with me. But then once I started talking, every time I would go in front of the um, uh, the Senate or the House, and I would, I would just break down. I couldn't control myself. But then after I started learning about how many other people that this crime had happened to, you know, then I just decided that I had to be their voice. I had to talk for them to bring them justice. This is why I'm still talking. Wow. When you When you look at this Planned Parenthood piece, this eugenics piece, what have you picked up? in terms of the efforts in Africa or even South America, other areas where black people live? 
Well, I just came across a piece the other day, and I am so hard. My heart is breaking. How uh, Bill Gates and his wife Melinda, I'm calling the names, how they are going into Africa with a new vaccination to inject, I think it's like 180,000 women and children to sterilize them. And then I'm looking at the other people that has a lot to do with this. People that we support, we buy their products. We go to Procter Gamble. We buy from Kellogg's. We go to General Motors and buy their car. We go to uh, the Rockefeller Center. You know, all these people. We go buy even the Haynes pantyhose, man. These are the supporters, the ones that funded these this program. And not only that, then I find out that, um, which people didn't believe me, but I'm saying, well, you know, Taxpayers' dollars. You're paying your tax for your government to cause these crimes against their people. Mm. Your tax dollars are paying for this, whereas you can't even afford to pay, buy food for your children. They're going to take your money and they're going to be citizens. This is crazy. Mm. 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 This is really crazy. Elaine, going back to that Bill Gates and his wife piece, uh, you said sterilization. Is it under the guise of polio, or is it outright sterilization that you picked uh, up? I, I believe I don't. I believe it's some sort of vaccination to sterilize them, but I don't think they understand what it is that's going to be done to them. So they use the term vaccination or vaccine. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Toll from number 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. We're in our last few minutes with Sister Elaine Riddick. She's our guest, and she is a victim of North Carolina Sterilization Program, eugenics program officially lasting from 1929 to 1974. And this operation or program was, in effect, uh, before World War II in all the states, and then they cut back with news of what Germany had been doing to the Jews, to the Russians, to the Gypsies, and to also to to blacks who were in Nazi Germany, uh, resulting from the the um, inter re, interaction or relations that uh, African soldiers from World War One had with German women, so there was in Germany a, a category of individuals they call the Rhine Bastards. The Rhine Bastards, you can look this up in Google, and you can find more information. A brother wrote a book regarding them a few years back. I do not have the title in front of me, but information is there that we need. Yes, black people were in Germany and being targeted by the Nazis there, but they, the Nazis, as the research shows, had come over to the U.S. and got their keys to eugenics and uh, genocide from right here in the U.S. That's another piece of information that we need to research. Yeah. Close relationship there. 
And uh, telephone number two one three nine four three three six one eight. Elaine, you had you were about to say something. Yeah, I was going to agree. A lot of people don't realize exactly what you said. A lot of people think that we got this uh, uh, behavior, I'm calling it a behavior pattern, with that we uh, got it from Germany. No, we we are the educators. It's not that when Germ- when Hitler was killing those Jews over there, we're the one that gave him this idea. So when Hitler could not. Uh, when they wouldn't die fast enough through, uh, through the sterilization procedures, that's mm. when he decided to throw them in the gas chamber. Mm, mm, mm. You see, and a lot of people don't realize that this is America, and I'm sorry. I was born here, and I am a, a black American, and the whole idea is to think that your government is just that treacherous that they would do something like this. You know, and then if you we take it to the United Nations, you know, and they don't realize that this is a crime against humanity. Mm. And they allow this stuff to happen because they are the government. You know, so we have no place to go. Where are we going to go? Mm. Elaine, when, as you, as you interact with other women regarding this, this deed that was done, what instances have you had of women who have thanked you because information that came through you stopped them from either using something or proceeding ahead with a procedure or whatnot? Has that been a case with you? Have you had those kind of situations occur? Well, well, I just did um, something in Oakland and San Francisco last month. And, you know, this is a message that I want to get across to people, uh, women and men, you know, because, hey, sometimes a woman will go in and have an abortion against the men's principles or because, you know, so it's, you know, whatever. But the whole idea of killing a life, and this is what I try to stress so hard, is that God said, be fruitful. He they planted that seed in your body. Mm. If he didn't want that seed there, that seed would not have been there. And God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth in my image. He never said, go and kill. He said, thou shalt not kill. Mm. And I just want the people to know that when you go out and have an abortion, I don't care how you have it, that it is uh, it's murder, outright murder. And I try to instill in them is that when you hear me tell you something and you go out there and you don't look to me and you go out there and do it anyway, you're going to have to answer for that crime. Mm-hmm. And there is no other way. Again, murder is murder. Mm. So a lot of people, yeah, you know, they I have I've stopped a lot of females from having abortion because I talk to them like that. I tell them the truth. I don't hold anything back. You know what you're doing? You know, if you don't understand, it's one thing. And I can say, and if you have gone out there and went against God's wishes, then you need to go and repent and ask for forgiveness. God is a forgiving God. Hmm. Amen. This is Brother Leroy, once again, bringing you a classroom with information that you would not normally get in the so-called regular media not been picked up. I want to thank Brother Randy Short of Washington, D.C. for setting up this interview with Sister Elaine Riddick. It is important. It's just one picture 
of what's going on here in this country and abroad. The question that I put to Elaine regarding the targeting of eugenics against black people in other areas such as Africa is that that's, it appears to be an ongoing effort to depopulate Africa by way of disease, by way of vaccinations, followed by so-called AIDS, by, of course, warfare, fratricidal warfare, where the weapons are supplied by the same people for both sides. Uh, there's a movie, two movies, that folks can uh, access and get insights. They're, they're, quote, entertainment movies, but they reflect the truth. One is Constant Gardener, The Constant Gardener. And that's uh, La Carre's, uh book. It was made into a movie, and it came out at the same time as The Lord of War with Nicolas Cage. The Lord of War. And then there's another uh, movie, Blood Diamonds. So you have Blood Diamonds, Lord of War, Constant Gardener, and they give a picture of what's going on in Africa. You look at it as entertainment, but they're really telling you the truth, hidden in entertainment form. Telephone number 213-943-3618. You'll be on the line with Elaine Riddick, North Carolina victim of sterilization. Elaine, when you, um, as you move around, who, what, what kind of, of informal grouping is there of people like yourself? Uh, for example, you are in Oakland. You might go uh, to Texas. You might come up to New York. You've met various people who are out in in public and advocating the same cautionary uh, actions as you are. Who might be some people that come straight to mind? Well, I have, um, gosh, it's so many. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've come across a whole bunch of people. I, I've, um, uh, let me see, uh, I've done, um, you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't expect is a documentary made by Merlin of Semini. And it, it, when you say you wouldn't expect, it's something that the eugenics put out. It said you wouldn't expect a moron to operate a train or to teach your children. This is how they talk. This is, this is how they look at blacks. You wouldn't expect a moron to teach your children or drive a train. This is how they look at black people, I found out. Mm-hmm. Then uh, there's, um, gosh, there's so many. There's so much. There's so much out there. I've, I've come across a whole lot of, of groups and groups of people that's trying to help me to, you know, get the word out. You know, the media is, of course, like uh, my number one fan. <laughs> you know, um, England, you know, France, Australia, mm-hmm. Brazil. You know, just that I've just become uh, all over the world. Or I have, that's how much media coverage I've gotten. And mm. the media is pretty interested in this. And they sort of, with me, you know, have kept this, this story alive because, you, you know, the whole idea is um, letting, putting pressure on the government, letting people, letting them know that they're, this is unacceptable. Right, right. And, and uh, as I went into Google, 
there is a lot of information. There's a lot of information regarding North Carolina sterilization program and its victims. And um, some of them discussed the the drama of the the the, the governor setting aside ten million dollars and the Senate blocking it, saying that if we do this, then the ex uh, ex slave descendants are going to want reparations. And there's a bigger, from a scriptural standpoint, Pharaoh had an opportunity to correct the wrong. Right. And Pharaoh did not correct the wrong. But Pharaoh had a number of opportunities to correct the wrong before God, the bigger judge, made a decision. And people say, well, that's believing in mythology and whatnot. But... um, I tell you, it's it, when you find that there's no justice at a particular level, we better believe in some force that would correct the situation or to move minds to correct the situation and save us at the same time. So uh, that's the best that I can say on that. When, As we conclude, what are some things that the audience, men and women, uh, that you would recommend that they be a part of or that they do regarding the the eugenics movement and the deed that was done to you and thousands of others in North Carolina. And, and in fact, you pointed out Carol, uh, um, uh, California and other states. Yeah, you know, I want to uh, say something else before I get to that. You know, it was more so many. This United, the United States said that they only sterilized sixty-five thousand people. Now, if you look at California, over twenty thousand; Virginia, between eight and ten; uh, North Carolina, seven thousand seventy-six hundred people; Georgia. You know, you can, you know, you got California. Mississippi used to do the Mississippi appendectomy, and you know the way that they got their victims in. You know, they would tell them that they needed their appendix out or. And they had to have minor surgery to correct something. With me, you know, like they say, they were I was feeble-minded and so on and so forth. But the thing about, see, people think, don't realize that this is not my problem. It's all of our problems. Go ahead. Because once we, you know, right now, as I say, I've done did what I can and it's only leading to something else if we don't get involved. You know, it's leading, like I said, little children now, they're trying them as adults because we're not getting involved. Our men are going to prison because it's not our problem and we're not getting involved. You know, you have little kids being, you know, murdered and all of that because we don't get involved. You know, this concerns mm-hmm. all of us. Yes. This is all of our problem. Yes. You know, what affects me, what affects you, affects me. And yes. what happened and why they continue to do things that they are doing is because we don't get involved. Yes, and yes. now it is time for all of us to stand up, you know, yes. and speak out. Mm-hmm. We're not going to take this no more. We're not going to be silent no more because we don't know it could be your kid tomorrow. The same thing with the police brutality. Oh, it's not my problem. 
Right. You know, yes, it is our problem. Right. The drugs in the neighborhood is our problems. Every liquor store, every corner is all our problem because these things are happening because they want to get rid of you. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Not me. You know, overall, they want to get rid of the black man. And this is what it is. And now, if it's not too late, you see how much respect they have for you? Mm. You know, your people that came here doing slavery and built this country, and look what they do. They put you and put you in, in privacy. In mm. low in low income housing, but yet and still they can bring another group of people over here and hey, you know here I help you in business, you know right. I will give you medical insurance, you know I will give you health care, even if it's a person that don't even have good ID identification or should not even if it's a killer they still allow them over here. I'm asking myself today why are they bringing these people over here? Mhm. You know, it's not because they need them. Mm. You know, this is like a rivalry thing here. Yep, divide and conquer. That's right. So you know, maybe I put this group of people. Hmm. Sister Elaine, you you hitting it on the head. What it is is what it is is what it is. That is absolutely I mean, right. Be nothing else but what it is, you know. Anyway, blacks is becoming an endangered species, not just black babies, you know. And what we fail to understand is our children are our biggest commodity. Mm. That's an investment, mm. you know. And we're losing focus. Oh no, I'm sorry. We have lost focus on what is right and what is wrong. Mm. Mm. And it's time if it's not too late. And I, some some kind of way, I believe it might be too late for us. Well, maybe for some. I mean, I, that's how I feel. No, no, no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, because <laughs> when you're coming with a message like this, you're the lone tree in a a a a what's a, what's a good example? You're the lone tree on a prairie, and people don't have to pay attention to you. They're looking at the grass. They're looking at the sunshine. It's right under that tree that they have shade and that there's water, and the water is knowledge, and that's what you're sharing. So you can only do but what you can do. If you didn't do, then you would be a traitor to your own self. Thank you. And God has blessed you with the spirit, with the spirit and protection that allows you to keep reaching people. And we intend to facilitate it to the best of our ability through the programs that we do. And I want to thank you very much for joining us, my sister. Your story is a very compelling story. And the audience I know will carry it. And audience, you. If you heard, if you help one person, if you help one person out there, one family out there, then you've done your job. Then you've done your job. So Elaine, 
thank you. I want to thank Brother Randy Short for setting up this connection so that we can share your story with many others. And, of course, you'll be on our show Sunday on Harlem Community Radio. That's www.whcr.org. That will be 1 o'clock Eastern time. I think they have um, daylight saving times or something like that starts this weekend. But anyway, you make the adjustments. It's 1 o'clock New York time. Okay, you like Elaine, thank you, and God bless you. And thank you for having me. God bless you, too. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up is Dr. Kwabena Ashanti. Dr. Kwabena Ashanti, when you go into your Google, put in the psychotechnology of brainwashing. He's the author of that. He has successfully deprogrammed black students at a major university in North Carolina for some 30-odd years until he retired, I believe I'm right on the 30-odd years. He'll be with us in the second segment. He is the black man who wrote the Willie Lynch letter. And I need to talk to our engineer so we can talk just before he comes on. But stay tuned for the announcements. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Boom 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Boom 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French-cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. 
read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. This is the Keys 107 Network coming to you over blogtalkradio.com. I'm Brother Leroy. I'm on uh, Blessed to Be On. I'm not going to say I'm on. I'm Blessed to Be On Tuesday evenings from 7 until 9, and also Saturdays from 8 until 9. It just just came to mind that um, next Tuesday I might be on from 7 until 8 because there's another meeting taking place in Chicago, Illinois, that I'll be involved with, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, you can also access previous shows by way of blogtalkradio.com forward slash the keys 107. We advise you to have people who did not have an opportunity to listen to these programs that we do to go into the archives, especially the program tonight with Elaine Riddick, a sterilization victim in North Carolina. It just so happens that our guest, our next guest, is from North Carolina himself, born in the area of Durham, North Carolina. And the subject matter that we're dealing with is the origin of the Willie Lynch letter. He says he wrote it. You know, we're going to be asking him some questions, and if he... If he stumbles one time, we're going to get him. Without further ado, we're very happy to have with us Dr. Kwabana Ashanti. God bless you, my brother. Bless you, Brother Leroy. It's good to be back on the air with you and talk to our family. Brother Kwabana, when I say if you stumble one time, you say, yeah, I'm I'm ready for you, Brother Leroy. You come with the question. (laughs) I knew you'd say that. Ladies and gentlemen, this brother... We've had some good, good interviews with Dr. Kwabana Fahim Ashanti uh, starting last year sometime, um, early last year, and they, all of them have been extremely fruitful, filled with information. And we talked about the psychotechnology of brainwashing, which is a major book that he's done. We talked about the 10 or 11 building blocks of power, those building blocks of power, which are an integral part of his deprogramming of black men and women, young people and older people, getting them into a consciousness of self. And along within our conversations, he mentioned that he wrote the Willie Lynch letter. I didn't pursue it at that time, but it's very, very prominent, the Willie Lynch letter is very, very prominently mentioned by any number of individuals, I think as recent as Savior's Day, Minister Farrakhan uh, mentioned the Willie Lynch letter. He constantly refers to it and others and uh, well laid out. So, Dr. Kwabana Ashanti, thank you for joining us. And tell us, you're doing the research for much of your work. When and how did you come about developing the concept of the Willie Lynch letter? And what was your intent? What was the motivation? What was it that made you say, you know, I need to put this in blah, blah, blah? And what was your intent? What did you hope to achieve by it? Well, in 1976, uh, no, in 1974, 
I received my doctor's degree from the University of Pittsburgh, and I received a job offer back in my hometown at North Carolina Central University and uh, in the psychology department. So in uh, 76, from, se- from 74, 75, for about two or three years, a young group of us, a young group of us professors, uh, would meet in the student union after uh, the student union of the university, and we would have discussions dealing with black history. We were trying to learn ourselves about black history because in 1976, in particular, was at the very height of the civil rights movement. Durham is uh, sort of unusual; is a very unusual city, especially back in, in the, back in the 70s. Uh, as, a, as, a, as, as a young boy, a young man, I routinely would see Jesse Jackson, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, or, or just a number of major civil rights just walk in the streets routinely every day hmm. because this was the home of North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company, the largest insurance company of the world, and was also the home of Mechanics and Farmers Bank as a black bank. And so mm-hmm. many of the civil rights workers around the country were getting arrested, and they would come here to pick up the money in suitcases and carry it back to bail these people out. So that was the, the spirit of Durham, North Carolina at that time. And long before that, W.E.B. Du Bois himself used to bring blacks to Durham just to show them what it, what it could be like when they got a little more freedom that they could have a city like Durham. So that's, that's the way Durham, North Carolina was then. Mm, so, uh, so uh, 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 we, I, just, I have been reading a lot of books, and we have a lot of discussions about how you make a slave, the breaking of a slave process, because we were never taught this in school, and it's still not been taught in school to this very day. So I, I, one book I read in particular stood out. It was called The Black Jacobins. It was about slavery down in Haiti, in, in uh, Haiti and uh, and 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 uh, the other side of the island. C. L. R. James. Uh, was that C. Uh, L. C. L. R. James is the author. Okay, that book gave a glowing account of how how Africans were broken and made into slaves there, and mm. and and besides the other his books I've written here about the United States. I looked at it, and I decided that I wanted to start some some uprising and some commotions among black people in Durham to sort of further things along. So I got um, an old Army duplicate machine, and I wrote a two-page document, which I called the Witness Speech, and I wrote down to make it look like a white person had written, a white man had written, coming from these islands, to North Carolina, I mean to Virginia, uh, uh, to give the will that speech, and I had them coming into the James River, which actually is, is James River runs through Richmond, Virginia. But mm. I actually, I actually named the letter. I made a character, and I called him Willie Lynch. At that time, there were two names that were. If you said them, you would immediately think of a black person. That was Willie. And and Willie and other was Roscoe. These are mm. common names. And uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, was about 118 miles from Durham. 
And I knew back during slavery when you when they were part of the breaking process, they would hang you. So I, which we call lynching. So I named it Willie Lynch after the city of Lynchburg, Virginia. And I ran probably about 300 copies of this two-page document off. And then about 12 o'clock uh, one night, I put them in the car, and I drove all over town on the black side of town. <laughs> and, and on the white side where there were pockets of blacks, dropping them off in washettes, car washes, churches, in a kind of building where black people would, would hang up stores and so forth. And I, and I make sure that I wasn't seen. And then I didn't even tell anybody in my study group that I had done it because I didn't I didn't want to take the chance that it come out that it was bogus and be important by pointing their fingers at me. Right. So so I sat back, waited for the people to really get very angry, and then we'll begin to really raise up and demand that we be taught, if you will, about our culture in the schools and so forth. And in particular, start bringing about change within themselves, and start start and start having so much negative behavior. Because I mm-hmm. talked about pit, how about putting the blacks, the dark skin against the light ones, putting the younger against the old, putting the males against the females. All of these various opposites that we find in human beings. I talked about the instruction from Willie Lynch to the slave owners how to to stop having to slay and lynch their people. And instead, if they use this, this psychological principle of brainwashing, it then will last for thousands of years. Mm. And I pointed out in particular that this had to be done primarily with black females because mm. the black female would be the ones that reproduced black people and I know for a fact that up until the age of 13, all children, boys and girls, would spend the majority of their time with their mothers, not the male, because the male would be out working. And mm. if, we, if you brainwash, if you brainwash the mother, then she passes on for generations her mm. ignorance into the children, especially mm. if it's not been taught in the schools and stuff like that. Mm. So. I told I, I called that the self-refueling prophecy, where it was going for uh, three hundred thousand years, mm. and and then after that was after that, uh, I, I as I said, I waited for stuff to jump off, but nothing happened. Nothing jumped off, and uh, I, I would say after about a week and a half, uh, I felt like I just worked in vain. And I and over a period of time, I just forgot about it, and not knowing somehow that these these leases would pass on and travel. So per, apparently, some of them did travel because I had forgotten all about it. And actually, I had written my book, which is gives instructions on how to reverse the brainwashing process or how to get rid of Willie Lynch. And I, mm. that book was called The Psycho Technology of Brainwashing, subtitled Crucifying Willie Lynch. Mm. And I wrote that book before the Million Man March. Yes. And and while I was in Washington, D.C. at the Million Man March, uh, the Honorable Louis Farrakhan read that Million, <laughs> Million Man uh, Willie Lynch speech. And I, and I was shocked. 
it brought back the memory. I was just dumbfounded. Wow. I said, my God. And I kept trying to win a high in the world. Did he get that? Where did he get it from? And uh, and then he popularized it by giving that to the Million Man March. And yeah. then there's a publisher in New York. I, I forgot their names now, but they decided to put out a book on the Willie Lynch speech, a, real, a, a pamphlet, if you will. And it about it, and they began to sell it, and and when I finally saw one myself, I noticed it was I think it was maybe about twelve or fifteen pages. But what I the original one I wrote was only two pages. But it, in essence, uh, it that was it. And so that's how and when I wrote that letter, and then, and and I was really shocked and dumbfounded because I intended to make it look like a white person wrote it, but I never thought, I really never thought that it would take on like it did and that many black people, including PhDs, doctors, lawyers, would actually believe that that was a real incident, even though I designed it to be that way. So, Dr. Dr. Ashanti, those two pages were legal size. Uh, I believe they were. Yeah, they were. How how would you know that? What are you talking about? I I got a copy. <laughs> hey, listen. When I got a copy, I had to get. I do liberation copies. You know what liberation copies is? No. That's when you work in corporate America and you got to copy stuff after everybody else done going home. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> hey. And the worst thing that could happen is that the machine jam on you, and you don't know how to open the machine and stuff like that. But it didn't happen. I run them off at 10 at a time. And then when the 10 was run, I run off another 10. And then another 10. I stapling bad boys together. Because, I mean, I'm, I don't know how I got it in my hands. I know I got it in my hands. Somebody said, hey, man, check this out. Uh but I'm almost certain it was legal side because uh, it was legal yes, It was because the copy machine was with no art and they had long paper. Yeah. Oh, my God, it certainly was. So, so ladies and, and gentlemen. And that's how I was I'm, able to get it. I get two pages there. Hey, hey, and I'm in New York. That in, in Durham, North Carolina, you were uh, distributing down there, and that thing just took off. I think the publisher may have been A and B Books. That's Very, it. That's the publisher who did the book. But my, my, uh, that speech was long before the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, Now, for the audience, uh, the, the Willie Lynch letter, I remember Dr. Jerry Youngblood, Reverend Jerry Youngblood in New York, Reverend Jerry Youngblood said, hey, man, you know, I had this thing, uh, what do you call it, uh, analyzed, you know, the writing and whatnot. And they found that the wording, Edwin Nichols even even said he analyzed it. And uh, Jerry Youngblood may have gotten Edwin Nichols to analyze it, but up to it, they, it read like... Um, Authentic up to a point, and then the writing after point, after a certain point, uh, they analyzed it as being more up to date. So they said it couldn't have been written by, uh, uh, you know, someone back in those times. But the book, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, 
the Willie Lynch letter reflects a combination of the research that you had done, but you put it into uh, what we might call uh, fiction format, and that that in itself was uh, got a greater audience probably than going and laying it out in documentary form. Your your I, response? I know, I, I know it did. No question about it. Matter of fact, I didn't say this, but I. Um, my first, I first came across the idea for the leaflet in Vietnam. I was a combat infantry soldier in Vietnam, and I, and in the jungle, we picked five leaflets down and said, "Black man, go home. You are fighting for rights for us, for rights of white people that you don't have for yourself in America." And I looked at that, and it really impacted me greatly. But I know it was trying to create division within the troops, but it was true what was on the thing. So, I also in the army, I had uh, I was selected to be in an uh, espionage, a spying, and uh, and uh, and I and I learned certain techniques. And so, and then as and going to school, being a psychologist, reading it, I needed to find a way to get it out. And one of the ways that you create insurrection in different countries among people is you 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 put out strange leaflets, and and all that started to come together. Now, that's not the only thing that I put out, by the way, but that's how the Willie Lynch letter got out. And now as I look back on it, I see uh, you could go on the Internet and you see so much stuff on Willie Lynch. It, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you even got the Willie Lynch syndrome. <laughs> you, know, you even got, uh, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder of slavery. All of that was stimulated by that, and it's not, even though there was no such person as Willie Lynch, I made him up. Uh, the principles that I wrote about in the witnesses were, were true, and yes. those things actually did happen. Now, Malcolm, and, and matter of fact, and it, and and it had the greatest impact of all on the black female because in my work on brainwashing, I tested out males and females, and even though both were brainwashed, the female had the highest level of it. Had the highest because level again, of brainwashing. Of brainwashing, yes, and, because, and then she passes on to her children. So to this very day, I love to train, help deprogram black females because they are the ones who will create the new mindset of those being born. Beautiful, excellent. And, 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 and even to this day, in my in my Africa's Rights of Passage program. I try not to do an all-male group. I always want to have a core males and females. We talk a lot about the male, what the male ain't doing, but it's that black female in the house that you don't see that's behind that male out there, and and, and, and she's not getting any attention at all, but you see all the problems focusing on the male. But the real reason is the female, and I, said, and, and I think the white supremacist system knows it and does not do anything to help the black female. The mother is the first teacher. That's correct. And that starts with her thoughts as the baby is in the womb. That's correct. Actually, and and some of the greatest leaders coming up is coming out of the housing projects, by the way. No, no, some of the what? Greatest modern-day civil rights leaders as well as empowerment leaders are not coming from the black suburbs. They're coming from the housing projects. 
Mm. Who have been born right, been born right now to some young girl in the projects that they would grow up to be one of our greatest warriors. Mm. What do you attribute to that? Because uh, the more privilege you have in general, with some exceptions, the more you teach yourself to adjust to, if you will, oppression to work okay. within the system. But okay. the mess that you have, you're not in the system, and therefore you, you 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 get angry when you see you're not. You do whatever you can to break through to get into the system. I got it. Martin Luther King was a very unusual man because he came from the middle class, but Malcolm X didn't. Right. And then the more experience that Martin Luther King had with seeing how how unyielding. Uh, these folks are to giving and allowing human rights, the more he began to see a bigger picture and began to speak on that bigger picture with more uh, presentations or lectures that had uh, tremendous substance that uh, they have to override that tremendous substance of his uh, speeches as he evolved by always putting before us I have a dream, little black boys and little black girls, uh, white girls, etc. Right, right. No question. Now, now uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have the opportunity of calling in and asking Brother Shanti questions, joining in this classroom conversation. Telephone number 213-943-3618-213-943-3618. Nine four three three six one eight. Hit one on the telephone keypad. That lets us know that you have a question to ask of Dr. Kwabina Fahim Ashanti. Now, going back to the Black Jacobins, written by C. L. R. James. I that book in in for for the audience. It's in paperback form. It will give you a good narrative of the Haitian Revolution and the Haitian Revolution, how the Haitians freed themselves. It will also give you a very good insight into the French and the evil that they did to the Haitian people and will give us some idea of what might be happening to the brothers and sisters in Mali where the French are reasserting their colonial uh, governance under the guise of um, whatever they put out in these days and times. But in reading the Willie Lynch letter, that it shows techniques that actually have been implemented. And as you said, you began to read, you, you, you were picking up in your study group, you were picking up various books that told about slave slave breaking. Now, Malcolm would teach about the slave trader, the slave breaker, and the slave maker. That's that's correct. But uh, but uh, one thing I, 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 I ran across in the black that Jacobin list influenced me to this very day was this, this, this guy by the name of Bookman. He was a voodoo priest. Yeah, and under his and his direction and leadership, they were able to defeat the French and drive them out of the country. And uh, I think it was 1789. 
uh, they were the only, they are only the only black country that's ever defeated a European country in war. Yes. Now, I have since formed the International Association of African Religion Priests and Healers, and that organization works to to reestablish, if you will, reintroduce, you will, African traditional religion back into our society today because. We came here with our, our African religion, but in the slave-breaking process, they stripped away our religion, and then they converted us into Christians. And 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 we today never know we even, we even look at our own religion, the Bhutu religion among others, as ever worship when it is actually the origin and the and the foundation for the Catholic religion that we started. So right. so 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 so. When I uh, the, I've never read another book period mm. on how to undo the brainwashing or how to undo the snake making process. My book, The Psychotechnology of Brainwashing, Crucified with a Lit, is the only book, to my knowledge, that deals specifically with that. I even developed a test to give people to for to diagnose whether or not they are still having hidden residue from ancestor slavery. And from that, I created a clinical program, a treatment program to get rid of it. And that's where the 10 billion blocks of power comes in. In other words, as a result of the treatment of the wilderness letter, I mean the wilderness technique, it stripped away the African personality completely and left a a empty blank in which the white slave maker was able then to institute an inferior quality of white uh, white personality. And 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 so all races of people on the face of the earth have their own personality by race and they have the same ten blocks, their own blocks. We never knew we even had a block. And so I identify these blocks that make up a person's personality, and that's race, that's ethnic group, agriculture, philosophy, ideology, religion, culture, rituals, weapons and communications, and environmental security. All of these things of your own, that's what makes up a human being's personality. Now, in our case, when they strip it away, they put back into these blocks very inferior white culture. And so we could, as a result of that, we don't, we can't even tell you what our race is today. Uh, some of us, a lot of us would say African-American, but some of us would say, well, we mix with this, we mix with that. Uh, we even, if I ask anybody in the audience, right, what is their race, most of them will probably say, I'm African-American. You are not. You are an african your citizenship is American. Now, uh, if you ask what ethnic group are you from, they would have no idea what they are. Matter of fact, I told somebody, I said, you know, you look just like a, a Kikuyu. They said, what is that? They thought I was talking about a vegetable. So I was talking about an ethnic group. All races have subgroups called ethnic groups, and we all come from at least one of the thousand different African ethnic. We come from one of them. And mm-hmm. they uh, they're in South Africa, West Africa, uh, North Africa, so on, so on. And then, as I began in my training, I began to put it into the 
the scientific process, the technical process for undoing it. And there are nine steps to do that. uh, First, you have to be isolated and away from all other people. That means, for example, if I have a group of 30 people there in a classroom and nobody comes in that classroom when we are having our class, nobody, unless they've been invited, can come in there. Mm. Then uh, then after uh, after, uh, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the... the, the, the isolation, then you then you have to go through uh, what is called emotional assault. You you have to assault them emotionally. Now, when you're undoing it, you can't assault them physically. You have to do it emotionally. And 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 I do that with my brainwashing test, and I do it with some, you know my lectures and so forth. Then uh, you have to use confusion. Then you have to do deprive them of something. Uh, 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 in slavery, when they deprive you, they wouldn't give you anything to eat or they beat you or they didn't let you stay out in the rain or no shoes. And then you had to confess that you were weak, okay? And then you had to be re-educated into white supremacy. Then you hmm. had to submit to white supremacy. And then hmm. after you submitted, you start to identify with white people. And as a result, you start walking around with uh, blonde hair today. Uh, you start uh, dressing like them. You talk like them. Everything about you, uh, uh, you can tell, has been influenced by white supremacy. That's sure. called mental side of the depth of the mind. And so sure. you have to reverse those things. And when you reverse it, it has to go like a formula, like making a cake. And if you don't do it correctly, it doesn't work. But if you right. do it correctly, if you do it correctly, it scripts away a full a cumulative of four hundred years of brainwashing and where all of a sudden your personality comes your African personality comes back, then you are able to think at a higher critical level than you ever had before. You won't be wasting so much time going to conferences and all that trying to say, What's wrong with us? Asking questions, I've given up, we feel we lost. Oh, that's out the women. You was then start producing and manufacturing things, creating jobs, all kinds of things. And 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 to me, it really hurts me to have the technology and the know-how to do this, and yet our people keep running away from it and having all these meetings and stuff sponsored by Slip Blue and Company, you name it, and nothing has happened. I'm talking about. Uh, uh, we see we've been here these, having these concerts so long. This time. even Black History Month, you will hear people get up and say they took away our names, they took away our gods, they took away our religion. Well, my God, if you, if you don't like that, you can still put it back. Mm. It's that simple. But you never hear anybody talking about take, take it back. They don't know they can take it back. They think it's impossible. It's not. It's easy to do. Doctor Shanti, Doctor Shanti, I'm sorry. Uh, Dr. Shanti is our guest here on the Keys 107 Network. This is the Communicators Respect Edition. And and, um, we're going to take some calls. And after after this initial call, we're going to go to some announcements and come back to Dr. Ashanti, uh, Fahim, Kwabina Fahim Ashanti, I'm sorry. Uh, Caller, you're on the line. Thank you for your call. God bless you. 
Uh, good evening, Dr. Ashante, Brother Leroy. Good evening. Family, good evening. I have many questions. Um, Dr. Ashanti, what do you think, and Brother Leroy, I hear that you took the test, and what was the result of your Ancestry.com uh, examination or your test? And would the, would the brother or the doctor recommend that all African Americans take this test, or does it really matter if we find out what part of the continent we come from? And I'm very interested in taking this test, and do we have to travel to you? Um, I am, do you remember the conference that was supposed to happen uh, where all the so-called black intelligentsia were getting together, the State of Emergency Conference? I don't remember or seeing, I don't remember hearing anything about the results of that, and I was wondering why the doctor was not invited to that. Um, I, I guess you have the gist of my, my all of my questions. Yes, I do. Uh I recognize uh, that people can all can come to me and so forth. The first, the one thing you can do, you can buy the book itself. You can go to online to my webpage, kfashanti.com, and then go to it and then click on the thing that says books or store. And you open that and you will see all the books I produce and you will see one book called The Psychotechnology of Brainwashing, okay? Click on that order the book, and in that book, I have the test is in that book. And you oh. can take that test in, in that book for yourself. That's one way. The other oh. way other, the other way is is uh, uh, I have, uh, I have uh, coming up, I'm going to have a television uh, uh, capability on my website in which I, when I teach this class, you and you have my ID number. You can click on it, and you can be sitting right in my class in New York, and and, and get the brain the brainwashing class itself. The brain, the test itself will only reveal that you're brainwashed, but it won't mm-hmm. tell you how to get rid of it. Only the book and the class can do that. Mhm. Okay. Now, and what so do you think about? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, don't go ahead. Uh, I was. What do, what do you think of Ancestry.com? I don't think very much about it at all because number one, uh, it don't it doesn't have a big enough list of Africans to measure it by. Uh, you can take it and it might cost you three hundred dollars and you can get results back, but the results will only show that which they have in their database. And all we are not like stones or sticks; we're like clouds, and so. It goes back generations, and so you, all of us might have a little Zulu among the Ethiopian in us, and, and you have those dots, right? But there is a web, there is a, 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 a DNA laboratory in Virginia, and it has the biggest database of African, oh, I work with, I help them do that. And that's a much better site, and with that one, that you have a higher probability of uh, of, of, of finding out, you know, what your African ancestry is, uh, and mm-hmm. all. So, and now in terms of this conference you're talking about, not just this conference, but all the major conferences, very few would ever invite somebody like me, because to do that, that means they would have to bring about changes in their life. What I'm talking about, and nobody is about to give up. Things that they had all their life and they're comfortable with, 
And so they just stay away from that. They try to find another way to do it. There ain't no other way, period. They, I wish there was another way, but mm. I don't know of it. Mm. So, so we were very seldom ever get invited to something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, but, but I yet, yet our problems get bigger and bigger and bigger, and they moan and groan and keep, keep meeting and meeting and meeting. It's a waste of time. Um, well, I'm going to have a, uh, I will get in touch with you, Brother Leroy, in, at, in, uh, in July, Grant's home, a uh, book um, fair, and I am going to call you, Brother Ashanti, to invite you to bring your book up to New oh, York, Grant's I, I would appreciate very much. July 28th. Okay. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, in, I'll just be getting back from Africa then, so. So it will be, be a pleasure. All right. I will be in touch with you. Thank you so much, and good night, and have a blessed evening. Thank you, Brother Leroy. Thank you, my sister. Thank you for your call. All right. Peace. God bless you. And, ladies and gentlemen, the telephone number is 213-943-3618. You'll be on the line with Dr. Kwabana Fahim Ashanti. We have some announcements coming up. And uh, you're welcome to join in the classroom after these announcements coming to you over blogtalkradio.com, the keys 107. We'll be right back. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, And the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. 
Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we're back with you. This is the Keys 107 Network. I'm Brother Leroy, host of the Communicators Respectful Life. Our guest online is Dr. Kwabina Fahim Ashanti. He is the author, the original author of the Willie Lynch Letter. We're discussing the origins of it and the uh, surrounding research and book that has been written. And I want to, before we go to our next caller, the call call in number is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Hit one on your telephone keypad. That so you have a question. Before I get into the remainder of our interview with Dr. Ashanti, I just want to say that in notices regarding this interview tonight, Educator par excellence Donald Smith of New York City sent me a note, supportive note of um, getting authors such as uh, Dr. Kwabena Ashanti before the public, and he thanked me for that effort. And I want to thank him for that note and give him acknowledgement. He is one of our great thinkers in the area of education. He is one of our great minds. The man is on target. Also, uh, a week and a half ago, I was at Savior's Day, blessed to be at Savior's Day in Chicago, and I want to thank a team of people that was put together by God's hand, and that's Brother Usman Kareem, his wife, sister Aisha, and his daughter, Haja, and also uh, Sister Hafisa, and her great son, the Mighty D. All five of those individuals, plus some others, were instrumental in getting me into Chicago and out, and I want to give acknowledgement to the and to the angels whom he works through that got me there. In the final call newspaper, ladies and gentlemen, I'm always telling people, turn the paper down before you find out what's in it. Look in the paper. Ask the brothers who are selling the paper what's in it, why should I buy it, and this you would uh, the one that came out last week, there's an excellent on Envy, on Envy. That's on page 26 in Brother Jabril's column. And also, How do you to Live in the, is in each issue, and those papers are worth your while to support the effort of keeping communication going nationally among our people. Dr. Fahim Ashanti is our guest. The telephone number 213-943-3618. Two one three nine four three three six one eight. Hit one on your telephone keypad, and we welcome your call, Doctor Ashanti. When you look at our young people, um, there was a forum that I went to last week here in New York City, which was why are they? This was the question of the forum. Why are they? Why are they treating? 12-year-olds as adult offenders in the New York City, New York State jail uh, court system. And 12, the age of 12, does that 
have any kind of significance from your vantage point when you look at our overall uh, situation here in America as far as justice is concerned? From a social scientist standpoint, psychological standpoint, does the age of 12 uh, have some bearing uh, that you might share with us. I hadn't asked you this question before I'm asking because it's something that came to mind as relates to, um, you know, the psychotechnology of brainwashing and eugenics also. Uh, uh, definitely, I think so. Uh, because the, the, the system of white supremacy power itself, and I don't mean the Ku Klux Klan either, I mean those people who run uh, America, corporate America, uh, they see us as the as the enemy. They in us they see all of their sins, what they cause, and and so therefore uh, they built these prisons, and the prisons are now on Wall Street, and they have to have these prisons filled to make money. And so by 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 treating us from age twelve as an adult, that does two, two things: it keeps us in prison longer. And on top of that, it fills the prison up, and it stops uh, in the tracks of, of another uh, 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 Elijah Muhammad, uh, 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 Malcolm X, or oh, just think us, our independent thinking in general, to rise. And so it put, that's another way of putting brakes on it. I, I, wow. Now, I'll, I'll, for, mo- for most part, I do think our young kids are guilty of what they've done, but they are treated not like children. They are treated as adults and, and harshly adults. And, and so, therefore, we will go to prison for a amount of things where white people might get probation or thrown out altogether. I definitely right. think it's part of it, no question about it. And okay. now the women are starting to come at a, a rate that's unprecedented going to prison, too, by the way. Right, right. Telephone number 213-943-3618-213-943-3618. There's also the the movement to, um, uh, they talk about gun control, that sort of thing. And a lot of people in within the black community here in New York City have picked up on it, gun control, gun control, and I look at it, I'm, this is my own personal thing. I, I, I'm, I'm not asking for an endorsement. I'm going to run a statement by you for your reaction. Uh, in my estimation, it's not the guns that are killing our young brothers. They use them. I see it as self-hate or a low value of one another's life, in addition to the programming that comes from video games and uh, some in, some of the uh, videos, the music videos that that glorifies gangsterism, that sort of thing. But the video games is a programmer. The drugs that they give our young people in in the uh, so-called medications, Ritalin and other stuff, the side effects of those lean towards uh, violence. And also the marijuana that's being smoked is not the marijuana that uh, was of uh, 25, 30, 40 years ago is highly contaminated with uh, chemicals, et cetera, that can also put a person on edge. And I see those as superseding guns as being the cause of of mayhem among our people. Your your response? Uh, 
Uh, I would take the opposite position of that you what you've taken. For example, uh, I worked in a predominantly white university and a school, and and lived in a white environment uh, for the past thirty years. And I would tell you, eight out of every ten white pe- people you see, males and especially males, but many females too, eight out of ten. In the backpack they carry on their back, they have a gun in that bag. Mm. Now, but yet, except for the mass shootings that they do sporadically, they tend to be 100% white people that kill a lot of their own people. But individual one-to-one killing, that don't happen. But with black people, we we have the less guns, but yet we have about 80% of the one-on-one type shooting. So, so therefore, it's the mindset that's the cause, not the gun, the mindset. If you got the right mind, then you can carry a gun. But if you have, but if you don't have, your mind is not correct, it is not centered on you, your race, your ethnic group, the worst thing you can have a gun because you would turn around and use it on people who look just like you <laughs> who become the enemy. Mm-hmm. You don't see black people killing white people. They just don't do that in general. But they tend to kill each other individually because they see another person who looks like them as the potential enemy. They don't. It's not that they hate themselves. They don't hate themselves, I don't believe, but they don't have any self-confidence with themselves. And what they do is against their own people, so it's easy to interpret it as self-hate. when. Mm-hmm. When it's really not self-hate, it's it's it's, it's disliking anybody who they think would impede them achieving or getting something in their environment. Hmm. Uh, the the common refrain is that he dissed me, he disrespected me. How, how do you read that? Again, uh, they're not getting any respect whatsoever from white people, but they were down they can be disrespected by another black person. So they, so so so, just to look at someone wrong or whatever, they could take a big offense at offense at that, and 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 jealousy and envy itself, uh, because of that can lead to a shooting and, and murder. They, they 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 for example go into any restaurant in the store, and the black clerk. Will smile and and joke and laugh and treat white customers with dignity. But when you go there, they give you a change and put it in your hand and don't even say thank you. They don't feel like they have to act the same way toward another black. So therefore, they don't get any respect from white people. But they really don't like it if they think they have been dissed from another black person. Telephone number two one three nine four three three six one eight. We're in the last few minutes of this interview with Dr. Kwabina Fahim Ashanti, and he's our guest. We've been discussing the origins of the Willie Lynch letter. He is the author. He's laid out his rationale, what he intended to do. He goes to the Million Man March. It's mentioned and read from by Minister Louis Farrakhan. He says, whoa, how did he get it? Out there in Chicago, wherever he was, and I added my little two cents after I got this copy of the Willie Lynch letter in New York. Never knew it where it came from. No signature on it. I think it said the the um, the um, 
uh, there was a cover. There was a cover to the one I had. It said, uh, distributed by the Liberation something. That's in my wow. mind. It distributed by the Liberation something. And, uh, and the document was there. As I told you, I did Liberation copying. Okay. Put that bad boy in the copier and prayed every time I ran the thing, man. I did not need that thing to jam up the net, that copying machine. <laughs> no, you didn't. I'm sure you really did. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dr. Shanti, one time I was copying something at night in the machine jam. I could not open the machine. I, I've had that happen to me. <laughs> they turned out the lights on the floor. The cleaning people had finished. I said, oh, Lord, what can I do? I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning, boy. I beat everybody there to work and just waited for the guy who uh, comes around. And I said, man, this machine jammed on me, you know. So he unjammed it, gave me what I needed out of it, and I said, whoa, never again. But the telephone number is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. You'll be on the air with Dr. Kwabena Fahim Ashanti. Give your website and uh, how people can connect with you. Um, my website is kfashanti.com. My telephone number is area code 919-452-4262, 919-452-4262. And uh, you will see uh, uh, the information about the book and, and my email and my phone number, and I welcome you to contact me. Uh, I like to say too, I did that so much on my copy machines at my university that I was I would sometimes do it and forget forget <laughs> to take the the, the main time I was copying off the machine. And the vice president of the whole university who was in my building would come and put it in my box. He would know I, I had to be the one. <laughs> I just kept on doing it. Hell, he knew who I was. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, brother, I tell you, liberation, liberation is a task, it's fun, it's a challenge. Have your heart beating fast, boom, 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 boom. Can't eat, can't sleep. Oh, Lord, have mercy. When that bad boy jammed up in that machine, I tried to open that thing. I could not get that stuff out of there, brother. But it wasn't it wasn't the Willie Lynch letter. It was something else. I can't remember what it was, but it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't job-related. Um, yeah. Dr. Ashanti, uh, the, the, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, 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 I want to mention that my first major teacher that was behind my witness letter was the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And that's correct. And Minister Farrakhan himself recruited me into the Nation of Islam at Fever State University. And that really was my first major introduction on, uh, outside of that, my study group, into my study of African culture and history. Wow. You know, you know, brother, the work in this vineyard of raising the consciousness of our people, You, it happens, but in the left, in the Nation of Islam, it talks about um, a fine mist 
that the eye can hardly detect in terms of the sun drawing the water up to uh, to the clouds. It's yes. done in a fine mist that the eye can hardly detect. And what happens is that the germ of of enlightenment, et cetera, coming to you by way of the minister and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad uh, has brought you to us today and filled with information, sharing with us, and one would never know until one spoke up. This, this happened recently with the interview that I did with a brother in Chicago. We had written a book on educating black boys. And uh, so I asked him about the roots of of uh, his consciousness. He has a PhD. I can't tell you his name because it's not, not in front of me right now. But he said, I read the, the Dick Gregory book, Nigger. He said, that thing changed me for life. So here's somebody reading a book that changes them, that creates a book of guidance for educating black boys. Here's someone else in the person of Dr. Kwabena Fahim Ashanti. He produces works, and all of them coming from a consciousness base. And, and the Final Call newspaper. Read that and the Recycle Tech, and you will see the same river flowing through it. I, I yeah. still buy it to this day. I always read Muhammad's uh, the speeches of under the Muhammad and, and so forth. That is what guides me. Yeah. I urge anybody to buy the final, final call. Well, my brother, we at the end of this beautiful interview. I want to thank you always for your time, for your energy, for your insights and for helping the many, many, many students that you helped at the university that you were at, and also helping your, your uh, we call it uh, brain trust, no, we call it... Uh, deprogramming. Oh, deprogramming, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of uh, when we get a group together, it's called, uh, oh, God, it's something that I've uh, learned. It's, uh, I have you, I, I have ninety I have ninety now that I'm starting up uh, n- next week. I have ninety students, adults, junior high school and high school, and I will be starting with them. Wow, that's going to yep. be beautiful. Yeah, and 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 and, and 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 in the adult group, there's one PhD and one MD in the group. That's fantastic, brother. You know, as you as you develop that group, the juniors, the uh, mm-hmm. junior high school students, as yes. uh, they develop, we definitely yeah. want the opportunity of interviewing some of them as they as they evolve into their consciousness and begin to do that the kind of work. A, that would be a very good idea. Yeah, because our our children are so great, and it's it's not difficult to make champions out of the, the material that we have, even when they look to be... Not, not at all. <laughs> it's yeah. easy, especially with the children. Yeah. And, well, and, old, and, 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 and adults, and adults over, uh, over 60, the children yeah. and adults over 60 is a very, the easiest one to, to program, because the adults have been living long enough, and they know what bullshit and what's not, <laughs> and the young ones don't know any better. <laughs> it's that middle group, boy. That's wrong. 
Now, listen, as you as you, as we leave, I, I, uh, a word of advice that you would give to us in terms of encouraging one another. The the uh, lesson that I've learned is that we're not supportive enough within our own relationships, uh, not supportive enough of our wives, of our husbands, the the encouragement factor, the support, the the reaffirming to one another that, hey, you can do it. Just, just in this interview on that note of giving us an insight into how that works on the mind, how that works in terms of the deprogramming. Uh, I would say, first of all, just notice that uh, that don't get mad with uh, with uh, brothers and sisters. Don't get mad with them. Just understand that they don't know any better and they're brainwashed, but don't get mad. You can get frustrated, but know that it can change and it can be undone. But you have to know how to how to be undone. So, uh, so at, at the very minimum, read the final call more than any book I can think of. Read the final call, and you will pick up ideas and suggestions in there. Uh, especially the, the, the center page written by Minister Farrakhan, and you don't have to be a Muslim at all. That's just good information. Read that, and you then we'll start seeing gradual improvement. But just don't get mad with them. You get frustrated. But just understand that nobody wants to be uh, uh, antagonistic, and I think that things will grow slowly. Beautiful, my brother. On that note, I want to thank you very much. May God continue to bless you and your family. Until next time. Thank Have you a great so much, evening, brother. brother. Leroy. All right, peace. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in to the Keys 107 Network. And this uh, evening has been a very fruitful one, very valuable one in terms of information. You can get into the archives by going to the Keys 107 Network. uh, I'm sorry, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Keys 107 and uh, look for the Communicators Respectful Life hosted by Brother Leroy. Look for today's date, March 5th, and that allows uh, other individuals who did not have a chance to listen to the night's program to plug in and gain the benefit of the information. May God continue to bless all of you. I want to thank our engineer, engineers, Brother Elijah, Brother James, Sister Rafika, Brother Forrest, Brother Jason, and all others made it possible for the Keys 107 to be on Blog Talk Radio. God bless you all. Peace. for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. 
We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, And the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the final call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the final call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. 